0: We encourage our churches to be outside the walls of the church, whether that's across the globe, engaging in work with our field personnel, or if that's in their own community. And in doing so, folks are going to encounter issues and situations that need a systemic change. And so we like to pair missions and advocacy or charity and justice.
1: Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word & Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at WordAndWay.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with Stephen Reeves. He's the Associate Coordinator of Partnerships and Advocacy for the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Stephen leads the advocacy efforts of CBF, and that's what we primarily talk about in the interview, as well as a little bit of his background at the Texas Baptist Christian Life Commission and the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. I had an opportunity to sit down and chat with Stephen. We were actually in his office at the CBF headquarters in Decatur, Georgia. I was there for a CBF Advocacy Advisor Summit, it was a fascinating time over a couple of days of meeting with Baptist advocates from multiple states as we talked about some really important issues that CBF, at nationally, and some of the state and regional groups have been working on, and, and how can we get more Christians engaged in faith-based advocacy to make a difference for our neighbors. And so while we were there, I was glad that I had an opportunity to sit down with Stephen for this conversation. So here's my interview with Stephen Reeves of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Stephen, thanks for joining us on the program thanks brian happy to be a part and uh, i guess i should thanks for
0: letting me be in your office <laughs> normally i welcome people to the show but you're welcoming me to your office so. absolutely glad you're here welcome we are in the global headquarters the cooperative Baptist fellowship in decatur georgia and you lead the advocacy efforts for cbf yes sir so what is what does that mean it means a lot of things i think first and foremost um I'm in a position to encourage, equip, and educate advocates within CBF life. So a lot of folks in this day and age, Christians feel compelled to be an advocate, to be a voice for communities or issues that they see going on in their world. And we want to help make folks effective and help to make sure their, their voices are heard and, and can be a part of the debate. and for us, we like to root that in our mission efforts. We're primarily a global missions organization that is a strong part of our identity. And so we encourage our churches to be outside the walls of the church, whether that's across the globe, engaging in work with our field personnel, or if that's in their own community. And in doing so, folks are going to encounter issues and situations that need a systemic change. And so we like to pair missions and advocacy or charity and justice. And so it's really about helping folks think through that and um, being effective uh, in that work. And occasionally we're going to see things uh, in our world and across our fellowship that we want to highlight and want to educate and encourage folks. And and for us, that's been a few issues already, including predatory lending and then issues around immigrants and refugees. And one of the questions I had for you and i'm not surprised that you already went there was this idea of of advocacy as part of missions and as part of you know a natural faith calling a natural outgrowth
1: of Mm -hmm. of being a christian
0: so i wonder if you could talk a little bit about that yeah Uh, you know that this is not something that for you this is not something that we do while we're a christian then we also go and do advocacy but that this is very much part of what it means to be a christian in the first place absolutely i think that um christians take their witness seriously and for some that means a an explicit evangelism and that sort of thing but how we act in public as christians is noticed and is seen and so i think in a way this is helping folks integrate their life their 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 political commitments how they love their neighbor into uh, this realm of systemic change typically policy is what we're talking about i think some christians have done it better for longer and I'm thinking in particular African-American church, our Baptist brothers and sisters there, there is not this separation that you mentioned. And so in a way it's helping our predominantly white denominator network, we like to call it, think more holistically about, about how we, what does it mean to love your neighbor in, in ways that we've been traditionally good in charity and mission, but what does it look like in the political realm? And so, it's, it's challenging work, but it's important, and I think it, it clearly is impacting the witness of the church in America. Unfortunately, that's often negative, but I think we can do better. We have seemed to have had um, some bad models of public policy and public witness in the church in the last 20 or 30 years. It seems like from the more conservative, fundamentalist side is a way of doing quote-unquote politics that our folks have largely rejected, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a place for people of faith to claim their faith in the public square. There are things that churches can do together and stay together that are important. And I think on the progressive side, some folks wanna line up all the right position on issues and forget about Jesus too often. (laughs) And so uh, we want to help our folks who sometimes kind of occupy that middle, think through how they can do that in the most helpful and effective way and and stay committed to to uh, their voice and their witness in the public square.
1: Yeah, because I think it's important. You're talking about you know if so if we don't
0: speak out, there are, there are going to be voices that are going to fill that void. Absolutely, that, that this will be the example of
1: the Christian mm-hmm. voice on such and such issue. But I also think what you were kind of hinting at, and I know this is where you are, but I wanted to give you a chance to articulate it, is you're not just looking to be an alternative uh, mirror image of the religious right. Uh, this is this is the idea of being.
0: Being very political, but not partisan. That's right. That's very, very critical to us. We um, we think we can model a better way of being political in our context, in our country, without being sold out to either political party. I think Jesus and the gospel is inherently political. You don't love your neighbor with all your strength and heart and mind and soul without getting a little political. But you can do that without being partisan. As a church, as a 501c3, as a nonprofit, we like the Johnson Amendment. Our friends at the BJC have helped to defend that. We don't think that our churches should be turned into new coffers for either political party. But as an individual, we hope folks do get involved in in the political realm, that Christians should feel called to exercise Christian citizenship and that their vote is part of their voice. It is part of their, their witness. So that's important but we can work on issues of concern and work with people, no matter their own personal political convictions, work work with people to impact make a positive impact in their local community for whatever uh, troubles they see. I
1: want to flesh out in a moment a little bit more of what CBF is doing in advocacy, but before we get there, how did you get here? What's, <laughs> what's a little bit your background? What led you to this point?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I grew up in Austin, Texas in a CBF-like church, a very small church, but was very connected to um, other CBF churches in that era, uh, of, right when CBF was coming along, and um, felt called to law school for issues of justice and, and separation of church and state and that sort of thing. And after getting a history from the University of Texas at Austin, went to law school at Texas Tech. Spent some time looking at things like the death penalty. I was very com- convicted against the death penalty and did some writing and and, and some research on that. And but um, well, wasn't sure how that was going to play out in a, as a in a career. Turns out some of those big idealistic uh, <laughs> ideas are not the best way uh, to go through law school, uh, <laughs> or not the best reason a lot of people go to law school. But um, I found my way to the Christian Life Commission, the Texas Baptist Christian Life Commission with the Baptist Convention of Texas is a long, historic, kind of prophetic voice within the predominantly white Baptist convention there in Texas. I learned a lot about the history of that organization and how it came about, but I found, it, found them through a study they did on the death penalty, calling for a moratorium on the death penalty. I didn't know anybody there but then had lunch with a friend who went to First Baptist Austin and was kind of talking about my career and where I was thinking I was heading. And they said, well, you ought to go talk to Susie Painter. You might like what she does. And I was like, well, tell me about that. What does she do? And she's like, They're, they said, she's with the Christian Life Commission. I was like, I know them and I might like them. They are the <laughs> Texas Baptist group calling for a moratorium on definitely like that. That's, that gets me going. And so that was in, um, really in the, um, Fall of 04, I found my way to the Christian Life Commission office and first started volunteering and then as a contract lobbyist with, with Susie and uh, Tom Weston Ware and Phil Strickland and kind of got the political bug there walking the halls and, and trying to get traditional policy lobbying with them. And that was nowhere on my radar growing up or even, at, even through law school. So I found my way to them and that was a wonderful time there. And then They helped me find the Baptist Joint Committee, and I served as a staff attorney for the BJC for about two and a half years in Washington, D.C. Again, never dreaming I would live in Washington, D.C. or or do that sort of work. And so I've been extremely fortunate to early on find my calling and find my people doing this work, and I feel so blessed to have done that. And so now I've spent my career in in this realm. After the BJC, I went back and worked for Susie at the Christian Life Commission and have now been here kind of the first uh, at the national office to lead these advocacy efforts. And it's been almost six years now.
1: I guess, is that a, we have a picture of the Texas state house. There? Yeah, that's the Do Texas
0: want- Capitol. Yeah. It is it's it's a, a little reminder of. Uh, your, yeah, of absolutely. Works. You know, um, I really enjoy state level policy work. Um, I've done it kind of both at the federal and, and the, the state level, I still, on issues like payday lending and to a certain extent immigration, do work in Washington. But um, I I, I like I said, I kind of caught that bug at the Texas Capitol. And there's there's something to be said about the relationships you can establish at the state level and the way you can move the needle in a way that I think is always more challenging in Washington at a national level, at a bigger place. But particularly now, (laughs) there's not a lot moving. Uh, And so I, I, I often encourage folks to do advocacy work at the city council or at the county level or at the state level. It's it's it can be it's just as challenging and in some ways frustrating, but also kind of be fun.
1: Let's we'll talk about a little bit of what you do then with CBF and mm-hmm. advocacy. So you have a advocacy in action. Yes. Conference. So yeah, we yeah. give us a plug for that.
0: Absolutely. We'd love anybody, any of your listeners to join us for advocacy in action. It is a program that predates my time here at, at CBF. It was something that was started before to really uh, introduce CBF folks, pastors and others to some of our partners doing this type of work, primarily Baptist joint committee and bread for the world or two long-term CBF partners. And so, in March, um, early March, and this case in this case in 2020, we uh, take a group, typically 40 to 60 folks, uh, students, pastors, church members, lay, lay members uh, to Washington, D.C., and, and help them think deeply and spend some time thinking about how a Christian might be called to this sort of public witness, to this advocacy work. Where do we find that in, in the gospel and in our scriptures? So we spend some good time thinking about that. We spend some time deep diving into certain issues that might be with the BJC or Bed for the World or the Center for Responsible Lending or someone doing immigration advocacy at the like evangelical immigration table, someone like that. And importantly, we make sure people have the chance to go visit their elected officials. It is so important to do in this day and age. You know, we hope everybody votes. That's kind of step one. We want to encourage responsible Christian citizenship And there are times to write and call or tweet to your elected officials, but there's nothing like an in person visit that can be done at the district level in the hometown or in Washington. And so for the folks that come to Advocacy in Action, we're going to help maybe lower their trepidation about that, um, make it a little bit less nerve wracking, kind of almost hold their hand and and make sure they do that. Because once you have that experience, it can be very empowering. You can share with others. And I think it's sort of, helps feed advocacy back to wherever they came from and and can break down some of those potential barriers or nervousness or fear around that. And so that is always part of what we do at Advocacy in Action.
1: We'll be right back with the rest of this interview. But first, I want you to know about an exciting event coming to Jefferson City, Missouri next February. There'll be more information and registration details coming out soon. We'll have some updates in a future episode of Baptist Without an Adjective, but I want you, this podcast listeners, to be the first to know about it, especially since we've been listening to Stephen Reeves talk about advocacy in action. In February 2020, there will be a Heartland Advocacy and Action Conference to think about advocacy at a local and state level. we are meeting at First Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri, from February 8 to 10 of 2020. This event will be hosted in partnership with CBF, CBF Heartland, ChurchNet, and Warden Way. I'll be there to present among a number of other speakers. And so I really think you're going to want to save the date, mark this down, February 8 to 10, 2020, Heartland Advocacy in Action in Jefferson City, Missouri.
0: You also do some work with such nationally, but internationally. Yes. And that's been partnerships with the Baptist World Alliance in Geneva and UN. And, Absolutely. And Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, anyway? that's been a great thing that, you know, initially, uh, it was kind of a realization to me when I got here, though, you know, this is a global organization that that opens the doors to a lot different, a lot of different kind of work. And we've got, you know, again, when we root our advocacy and our mission work, we've got field personnel all across the world. They are working on issues that uh, we wouldn't work on necessarily in Washington, D.C. I mean, there are issues of human rights, persecution, religious persecution, things that the U.N. Uh, is concerned about. And we've had some unique opportunities over the years for our the experience of our field personnel to inform some of the work that the U.N. does, particularly when they look at the human rights conditions in some of these countries where we have field personnel or we have field personnel serving refugees from those countries. And so, in partnership with the Baptist World Alliance. They've long had what's called consultative status at the UN. There's a group called the Congo, the Congress of Non-Governmental Organizations, and the UN is a big agency, it is a big operation, but there are ways and places where people of faith and other nonprofits can can be heard in that system. Most international Organizations, international religious groups like the United Methodists, like the Episcopal Church, others like that, have someone there at the UN. And we've been able through our partnership with the BWA to make sure that our type of Baptists are represented there. And so we're fortunate that we have uh, Scott Stearman, is the pastor of Metro Baptist Church, just across Manhattan, straight shot to the UN. And so he's through the BWA our representative that is there quite often, looking at these type of global concerns. And then in Geneva, we often have Shane McNary, who's a field personnel who works with persecuted Roma people in Slovakia, who is, uh, works through European Baptist Federation, EBF, to be a voice primarily on religious uh, persecution and, and international religious liberty. And so it's certainly still a growing edge. And that is a it is a whole nother world to understand what goes on at the UN and how we might have a, have a positive impact. But you have to have a presence first. And we're fortunate that we, we were we were having a presence and in conjunction with the Baptist World Alliance are, are, are doing that sort of work.
1: Yeah. And we, we've had Shane on the program and he's CBF field personnel. Yes. He's now yep. part of this partnership with the, with the BWA. And so, you know, earlier you were talking about connecting advocacy
0: with missions. Yeah. And it really is literally your missionaries are engaging in advocacy because they're experts on the ground. Absolutely. You know, we, we believe wholeheartedly in long-term presence. There are places for short-term missions, and, and, of course, our congregation is engaged in short-term missions. But we believe that the type of transformational advocacy work and transformational mission work that we do at CBF takes place over a long period of time. So in our, we have field personnel that have been committed to community, to a people for 20-plus years. And you don't do that kind of work without becoming an advocate for those people that you love. And so it's sort of intertwined with that long-term commitment to missions that advocacy springs. And one of our three contexts in which many of our field personnel find themselves is in global migration, obviously immigration and refugees and how we treat them here in this country is a hot political topic, but we have folks working with refugees in sub-Saharan Africa, in the Middle East and Southeast Asia, and in Northern Virginia and in North Carolina, and in Texas. And so if we're going to be committed to what is a global phenomenon of global migration, we want to be committed. And that includes the advocacy efforts uh, here in policy in the U.S. And then, of course, also you you speak out. Uh, I know you you write. Sometimes CBF Mm -hmm. puts out either you or an individual or organization on Mm -hmm. an issue. and, And sometimes that means you speak out in person Sometimes mm-hmm. I've seen pictures of you marching, mm-hmm. you know, protests uh, sure. and so forth. So I want to talk a little about that role as well. as Yeah. You know, um, there are a lot of different forms of advocacy and we want to encourage people to be um, ready and, and willing to, to do whatever kind of form advocacy might take. With my background, I feel comfortable asking for a meeting with an elected official and going over the specifics of build language. for someone else that might terrify them they might rather go to a march and hold a sign. And I'm not a big chanter, <laughs> but, I, but I'll do it. When our, when our friends are doing it and the time calls for it, there are a lot of different ways to be an advocate. We wanna encourage people to feel empowered, to be an advocate in a way that they feel best suits them, but to be firmly rooted in their faith and to bring their faith to that. And so um, that, that's important. I think uh, for CBF, you know, it's a challenge. We're not a resolutions passing body. We don't have a quote unquote official positions on some things or on anything in, in a way, but what we try and do is see where the passion is among our fellowship among our advocates, among our churches and field personnel, what are they seeing and how do we lift those voices up into advocacy? And so it's, uh, it's important to not just have sort of me as an official advocacy guy in the office, always being that voice of making some sort of statement, but instead making sure the voices of our field personnel, of our church members, or our pastors are raised up in appropriate and effective ways when it comes to advocacy.
1: Well, you've kind of hinted at these, but I want to give you a chance just to kind of identify some of the key issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I know we could spend a full podcast
0: just digging into mm-hmm. each of these, but, you know, maybe just a short little snippet of what it is that, that CBF has particularly been talking about. There's the payday lending, there's immigration, True. there's racial yep. justice. Those are probably yep. the big three that you have been. I think that's right. And I think, um, there are so many different issues that that are pressing upon us and, and, and it's, it's a challenge to kind of narrow them. We want to really first and foremost, again, kind of help, spur this cultural change in our churches to see advocacy as part of Christian witness. And then we want to teach people how to be advocates on whatever it is they're passionate about. And then we do at times wanna raise some things. And so for us, an initial issue was predatory lending, payday lending, and this is usury for a biblical term. This is taking folks that they're most desperate and giving them 400% loans, loans that the lender knows they can't repay. And in fact, when they don't repay it on time, get stuck in a cycle that's more profitable for the lender. And so this is real exploitation of people at their most desperate and vulnerable. And so there's been a large consensus across CBF life about that. And sadly it is the South and kind of up to the Midwest where we have so many CBF folks that the States have been the worst problem. And so I'm from Texas, you're in Missouri. They're probably the two worst States when it comes to payday lending and so there's a lot of energy within our CBF fellowship to be an advocate as well as be mission-minded. And so we've got some great folks doing alternative and rescue loans. That's good, but we we always have to put those two things together. And so predatory lending has been on there. At, at the time we were launching this new kind of focus on advocacy within CBF, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, was just getting underway. We knew there was going to be an opportunity for nationwide reform that meant that no matter where somebody was in CBF life, they could take part in this. So that was important. It's not gone the way we've hoped, but uh, that issue continues to be something that we feel there's broad consensus in CBF life. There's things people can do at the, at the missions level, at the local level, at the state level and at the federal level. And, um, in a lot of ways that issue can get at the heart of so much of what's wrong with our politics and with our country. And so when folks, folks can quickly see that it's wrong, to take advantage of somebody. And when they start to dig into it as an advocacy issue, they see the corrupting influence of money in politics. They see how folks treat their neighbors as commodities and not as brothers and sisters made in God's image. They see the systemic racism inherent in these financial systems. It's the type of thing that can create even more passion advocacy among folks. That's important. And then again, when you have so many field personnel committed to global migration, immigration is going to be something that is important to us and has been from the beginning. We, there's multiple faith-based coalitions that do this sort of work, Evangelical Immigration Table being one of them that, that Christians across the kind of theological and political and ideological spectrum are reading the same Bible. And the Bible can obviously be used or misused on a number of different ways on different issues. The biblical witness on how we treat the stranger is fairly clear. (laughs) Obviously, it doesn't translate 100% straight to policy. But if you're informed by that, you start at a different place. And I think that we have been informed by our states and regions, by our congregations, and by our field personnel that this is important. What's going on right now, how our country is treating immigrants and refugees does not comport with our Christian values nor our history as a, as a welcoming place. And so we've had a lot to say about that. Um, we've tried to lift up the voices of undocumented folks in our churches. And um, you know, the political moment is incredibly challenging, but again, we're rooting it in the mission work and what our churches are doing whether that's Northern Virginia or the border in Texas or fellowship Southwest. I mean, there's so much going on that people can can get involved in from the missions effort to helping people to the systems effort. And it's all important. And then a little bit on racial justice. Yeah. So um, I have a personal commitment to work on racial justice. And I think our, our folks in CBF churches want to do that sort of work. It's a challenge. We're primarily Anglo and we're primarily in the South. That's the hard place to do this work. But I think our, our people are primed and ready and want to do something. And we we are working in conjunction with the Emmanuel McCall Racial Justice and Leadership Initiative headed by by Reverend Casey Jones in our office, to to make progress, to make sure that this type of issue is is that, that how we are in public, how we are with our neighbors, how we understand the history of racial injustice in this country is important. You can't dig too deep on any one particular political issue and not find some racism at its root, some white supremacy, some some the in the inequalities and the disparate impact that communities of color see, in African-American communities in particular, have when it comes to things like education and healthcare and and financial lending, this sort of thing. That's once you get in advocacy, you, you start to see it more. And so I'm committed that the things that we lift up and that we encourage folks to get involved with are gonna have a clear component that addresses systemic racism and also puts them in coalition and in partnership with with folks who might not look with them look like them and so that's important we're doing a lot a lot more lately uh, and I think there's a lot of good work going on with the within CBf life whether it's in power west in Louisville or the new Baptist covenant um, there's a lot of good things going on and we, we're being very intentional about lifting those examples up and trying to spread that sort of work throughout CBF. Well, that sounds like about to keep you busy. It is. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it's it's fun, and it, and it's we get to work with amazing folks, and so we we do our work in co- coalition and in partnerships, and the the amount and the number of committed advocates within the fellowship is really astounding and encouraging and everybody's kind of doing their part and i think you know i feel like in some ways we can kind of be the backbone that tries to kind of shore up everybody out there doing their work and encourage folks and be and, and connect people to other folks within the fellowship and beyond doing this sort of work and so it's a blessing it's fun i thank you for your being here participating with us and what you're doing where you are well thank you for all that you're doing and for joining us on the program and talking about this work yeah it's glad to be glad to be on your podcast i appreciate the time
1: well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. You can learn more about the work of CBF Advocacy at cbf.net slash advocacy. During the episode, we talked about a couple of people that you could find on earlier episodes that I think you might find interesting in case you missed them. We've had Amanda Tyler, the Executive Director of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, on the show a couple of times, most recently on Episode 70. And we also talked about Shane McNary, CBF field personnel who works with CBF and the Baptist World Alliance on issues of international religious freedom. And you can find an interview with Shane back in episode 40. If you'd like to learn more about us at Word and Way, you can find us at WordandWay.org. And don't forget to check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at CBF.net. If you've enjoyed this program, I hope you'll share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. If you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. All you have to do at WordandWay.org is hit the donate button. And whatever you give there will help the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And if you don't get the monthly magazine, you can subscribe today at wordandway.org. If you have any feedback about this program, please send me comments at bkaler at Thanks for listening.